You're listening to the Office Free Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Spencer, and each week I'll be taking you behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who have escaped traditional offices and built digital empires based on their expertise. Welcome to another fun episode of the Office Free Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm here with a really special friend of mine, one of the most connected uh, people I've ever met in my life, and probably one of the nicest people I've ever met as well. Um, very generous person uh, named Kevin Thompson. Now, Kevin is um, runs a really neat business uh, connecting people, and I'll let him tell you guys about that in just a minute. But um, Kevin and I actually met uh, online, had a lot of mutual friends. And then we had our first call, I want to say in 2019, I think it was before the pandemic and, um, really hit it off. Um, you know, because Kevin's done a ton of things, but is, you know, one of the nicest, most unassuming people you'll ever meet, which is, uh, as you'll see, uh, not always he's had an interesting journey. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to hear this story. So, uh, Kevin, thanks for being here. Appreciate you, uh, recording with me today. My pleasure, Brad. I've been looking forward to this. I know, I know. It's kind of wild. It's uh, we're we're in season two, and it's uh, it's it's cooking. It's uh, this podcast is cooking. I'm having a lot of fun with it. So, um, uh, I always like to start off uh, just to give everybody an idea of like what you do and how you make a dent in the world. So, if you don't mind, how does your business make a dent in the world? Well, I I have the pleasure and honor of working with high performing entrepreneurs of integrity and. When you work with people of that caliber, uh, and, and for a guy like me who loves making connections, uh, when you're working with people of that caliber, the impact you have is pretty dang big because uh, they all have large reaches. And when you help people right. uh, that are you know already established that way and doing their thing and you help them do it better. You help them solve problems. You help them, you know, identify opportunities, make connections. You're going to allow them to grow, expand. Uh, overall, it has a really big impact in the world. And I'm just honored to mm. kind of be the behind the scenes guy who's doing that. Man, I love that. And it's, and you, and you do, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, you're, you're a little bit further down the road, but, uh, that's exactly the people that I like helping as well. Um, because it's it's just one of those things that when you when you help people at that stage of the game, it's you know one one you know it's like a, the old saying you know small hinges swing big doors and uh, you definitely uh, swing some big doors with who you know, um, <laughs> which is uh, the fact that you're so humble about it makes it even more fun because uh, you definitely could be a, a boaster if you wanted to be and, and it would be warranted. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's 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 been uh, an exciting ride for sure, and and I am definitely blessed and honored uh, with the people that I get to surround myself with and spend time with for sure. Love it, man. So um, I guess the question that I I'm curious about, like you've done a lot of things in your journey. I mean, you and me have talked about some of that stuff a little bit, but like when you were a kid, did you? 
Did you want to be an entrepreneur growing up or like, what was that like for you? Were your parents entrepreneurs? Like how did that, how did that kind of, uh, what's the genesis, I guess, of you will, of that journey? Sure. So yeah, my, 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 my mom was a uh, self-employed bookkeeper and an accountant uh, early on. So you, you could <clears throat> kind of count her as an entrepreneur. My dad, uh, when I was really young, he was a fisherman in Alaska and then he later became a real estate salesman and uh, worked for several different real estate companies uh, before he passed away. And, and, but you know, he was uh, in that field. It was, you know, his, his, his compensation was based on the results that he got. It wasn't go to job, go to a job and get paid for putting in hours kind of a thing. So in, in that way, they were kind of entrepreneurs. Of course, you know, being a kid, I didn't recognize that. Uh, and, uh, I didn't really get my first, like, I mean, I, I started a paper route. I start, I got a paper route when I was in sixth grade and, and worked that, uh, had that paper. In fact, had a couple of them up until 10th grade, but it was when I got into high school and I got involved in FBLA, future business leaders of America. That's when I really got the entrepreneurial bug. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I want to own my own business. I have no idea what that looks like, but I knew right. that that's what I wanted to do for sure. So, so what was that like? Like what, what kind of got you going in that? Like, what did you see when you were in that group? Cause obviously that's a great, that's a great age to see that is like, once you see that you can't kind of, un- it's one of those things you can't unsee once you've had your eyes open to the potential of business. Right. You know, and that's pre-internet. So it's even more inspiring. Cause you know, I know when I was a kid, even like Nobody wanted to own their own business. Everybody thought I was crazy for, uh, you know, shoveling snow and cutting grass and trying to hustle my way. And I, 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 I tell you, like for me, it was like I wanted to learn McDonald's. So I tried to get my mom would let me get a job working at McDonald's. They, uh, in Indiana, they would let you hire on at 14 as like a cash boy or cashier, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I wanted to learn how that restaurant works. Cause I'm like, man, they're making so much money and they're everywhere. Like if I just learn this business, I'll, I'll be set for life. That was my... Uh, one of my early uh, <laughs> observations of the world. It's like the one place that always made money in my hometown was was the McDonald's. Uh, that guy was uh, doing well for himself, no matter what the economy was doing. So yeah. what was that like for you, like in high school? What did you see that kind of sparked the bug or, or got bit by well, the bug, if you will? Yeah, and what, was, what really got me going and jazzed about it was <clears throat> we would do different projects. And, and right. some of them were as a group and others we would split up into smaller groups. And, and uh, what, I, what I noticed is, you know, everybody had differing results. And right. I was just one of these guys, you know, th- I mean, there was kids in the class that they were like interested in, in FBLA and all that. But like I, I was, I was kind of, I guess, like for lack of a better word, I was more competitive. And, right. and I noticed that, you know, we, because of that, we, we ended up having some pretty dang good results. And uh, we, uh, you know, by comparison to some of the other teams, we had better results. And so right. I was like, you know, and the reason we had better results was because we put in the effort, we learned, we experimented, we, we did all that. And I'm like, you know, I like the idea of getting compensated based on results, not just getting compensated going and like, you know, somebody else decides that, you know, I'm worth so much an hour or what have you. 
Uh, and that's what right. really turned me on to the idea of entrepreneurial. I like that. Yes, it's it. I, th- I think that's something that's it's definitely uncommon because I, I know for me, even when I started, I never realized how just having that awareness, that one thing. It wasn't until I had my my I had a job selling car washes that I realized, you know, uh, you could do well by being better than your peers, like coming up with ideas that would work better that maybe weren't what everyone else was doing. Um, and I don't know, I never, I never put two and two together until much later in my twenties that that was that start for me where it was like, I like to be paid based on results, not just showing up and punching the clock. Uh, there was just something about that that seemed very unnecessarily rigid, even for the car wash, because, you know, even in high school, obviously I'd want to work as much as I could, as long as there was people and, there wasn't people. It was like, okay, well, what's the point? This is a waste of time standing around doing nothing. You know, that's not very fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the thought of me being in, in charge or, or me being in the, the one that the determining factor in whatever happened, you know, whether, whether it was the result that I wanted or whether it was not the result that I wanted. I was the one uh, that was in charge of making that happen and then, you know, learning from the experiences and figuring out where to go from here kind of a thing. But like just me being in charge of my own self versus somebody else. In fact, you know, I mean, like now, I mean, the only job I ever really had was while I was in the military four years out of high school. And then I spent uh, seven years working as a commercial fisherman. But beyond those years, I've never worked for anybody else. And I couldn't even imagine doing that now, in spite of the fact that right. there's definitely been some up and down times, no doubt about it. <laughs> so. Right. Well, everyone has that. I think I think that's that's kind of like, you know, for me, like, you know, my up and down times, it was it was weird because a lot of people, uh, it took a lot longer for me to get out of my, some of my tough spots because I didn't rely on that resourcefulness. Uh, you know, I didn't even know I had it. Like for me, it was like, I just like, it never occurred to me to be any other way. And I realized like a lot of people don't have that. They, they want everything spelled out in black and white for them. And then, uh, you know, they don't really work around the constraints of a situation. They just don't think that way. And I I think for me, that's, that's been definitely like, you know, as I've kind of gotten more established, been such a saving grace, not listening to those people that tell you to do things the static way, right? Like the way things are now. Um, especially the world as it, as fast as it changes these days, like you really can't, nothing lasts very long, uh, other than relationships and taking care of people and all that, you know, that's, that's really the only thing that matters. I think now, uh, cause stuff changes so quickly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell me like, so, so you went in the military, you know, and it's kind of interesting to me that you, you bring that up. I mean, I, I knew you had done something in that. I didn't know what it was, but like, what what inspired you kind of coming out of that like business environment to trade that for something a lot more regimented like you know being in the military where you're told to do you're told what to do when to be where to be like very like rigid what was that like you know kind of (laughs) yeah well you know it's interesting when i was in fbla when i was in high school uh you know in in 10th grade uh at the time, you know, I was I enjoyed that experience so much that I was telling my mom and dad that I would really like to go to college and study business. And and really that that was the plan. But at the end right. of my 10th grade year, my father passed away. 
And oh wow, uh, so you were a kid. Wow. Yeah. And so once once mom became the sole income earner, Brad, uh, college was off the table. She just was not going to be able to afford that. And uh, right, understandable. So when I graduated high school, uh, I was, you know, I, 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 well, even before I graduated, I started looking at the military. I knew my dad. My dad had been in the army as well when he was younger, and and I was like, you know, I said, let me just look at the army, and I found, you know, they had the GI Bill. And I was able to take advantage of that as a result of going in the military. And I thought, well, you know, at least this, if I decide to go to college later, at least I'll have a leg up by, by doing this and the military will be a good experience. And so it, it was really just because I, at the time, I didn't know what else to do. And uh, I, I will right. say being in the military was a great experience. I can tell you all kinds of stories about that and lessons learned and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I knew that that wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. And so at the end of my four-year commitment, I got out of the army, uh, came back home here to the Seattle area. And I was actually talking with my best friend, Scott, who I've known Scott since first grade. And I was just having a casual conversation with him and going, you know, I need to figure out a way to get some money together because I want to start my own business. I don't even know what it looks like yet, but you know, I, I know you're going to need some money. At least that was my thought process at that time. And, and Scott right. he gives me this great advice. He's like, well, Kev, go down to Seattle, hit the docks at Fisherman's Terminal, and go get yourself a job on one of them fishing boats and go to Alaska because those guys, they make tons of money. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I was like, that sounds like a good idea. And that's what I did. That's what I did. I, I, uh, I went down to Fisherman's Terminal and started going down and talking to these captains on these boats. And I found out really quickly that that's not how they hired. Uh, in fact, they, they were telling me, we don't, we don't ever hire off the dock because the fact is, Kevin, you don't have a clue what you're about to get yourself into if you were to get a job like this. And, uh, and, but I found one guy who he, he at least took my number. He's like, I'm not going to promise you nothing, but he's like, man, I kind of like who you are and the way you show up. And he's like, give me your number. And, Ends up calling me about a week later, and turn, turns out he was going to be a guy short on his trip. And he's like, you know, he's like, I've never done this before, Kev, but how fast can you get down here? And I was like, I can be there inside of three hours. And he's like, all right. And he's like, pack yourself up, get down here to the boat, and when you get here, come up to the wheelhouse and see me. And so I did that. His name was John Waddell, and when I got up to the wheelhouse, he explained to me, he's like, Kevin, he's like, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. And, and I'm going to be straight up with you. He's like, I am nervous as hell. <laughs> and he's like, you, he's like, you are in for an experience. This is, this is going to be the hardest you've ever worked in your life. He's like, I know you've had other jobs and all that, but he's like, this, this is going to be way different. And he's like, my hope is that you just don't let me down. <laughs> and I took. Wow almost as a challenge. I mean, for one, I was, I was so grateful that he gave me the opportunity. And I was like, you know what? I said, I'm not going to let this guy down. I'm going to bust my butt for this guy. And I did. Right. Uh, and we were up there for about three months uh, was the, the, for, for that particular fishing trip. And at the end of that trip, everybody else was getting ready to head home. And, and, you know, John's asking me, well, Kev, what are you going to do? And he's like, I was like, well, if possible, I'd like to get a job doing another, you know, I'd like to go out on another boat, another fishery, what have you. 
And so he ends up hopping on the radio and calls two of his buddies. The first guy didn't need any help, but the second guy, he's like, man, he's like, I could use some help. And John's like, well, I got a guy here. He just took a trip with me. And man, this guy, he is one hard worker and he'll do right by you. And so he sent me over to his buddy's boat. And long story short, I stayed up there. I went up in January of 1988 and I stayed up in Alaska for 10 months straight and in 88 wow. I, was, I was 23 years old at the time uh I okay. stayed for 10 months straight working on different boats different fisheries all of that and uh I ended up coming home with about $120,000 in that 10 months and oh my god Wow! Like, how how does that how does how does that work? Like, what like do they pay you like a wage per day, and because you just didn't spend any money, like it just accrued? Like, how that's oh. a lot. I mean, I don't care who you are. That's a lot of money for a job, especially in 1988, right? Yeah. That's insane. That and and uh, no, they don't pay you uh, per hour. They pay you based on a percentage of the catch. So the more okay. you catch and the faster you fill the boat, the more you make. And, uh, right. And so, um, and, and I, and I'll tell you, uh, I was the low guy on the totem pole. So all the other guys, they were making at least double what I was. <laughs> and, wow. uh, and, uh, and, and granted, you know, 10 months is a long stint. I only did that that very first year, but I did stay in that industry for seven years until almost losing my life in 95. And that's when I decided, okay. You've saved up enough money. Uh, you're done with this. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, no kidding. Holy cow! So, so I mean, because that's, I mean, that in reality, that's really a quite. From what it sounds like, that's a very entrepreneurial, like, kind of like in between, like you're you're a, a worker on a team, but you're paid on performance. I mean, that's as close to a, a business as like almost any job I've ever heard. So, like, what what was next? I mean, like you've got this bankroll. You know what? What did you What did you do? And you say, "Hey, like, look, I'm, I'm I don't want to I don't want to die on a boat." You know, that's a pretty because uh, because you were doing like that like greatest catch like that show on Discovery Channel, right? It's that type of fishing, yeah, like crabs exactly and all that right. stuff. Exactly. Okay. Right. Like some of those yeah, guys so that, on that show were guys that I fished with way back when. So. Yeah, that's hardcore. Uh, I can barely watch that show. It just stresses me out watching it. Like I'm like, I get so much anxiety. Like, oh my gosh, like all the water like coming over the boat. I'm like, how's these ships not sink? Um, it's that's crazy to me. So, so what was next? Like, what did you decide? Because I'm like, it doesn't seem like anything else would be as physically difficult. Even the military, I don't think, is as physically difficult as being on a, a crabber. You know, and like. <laughs> Those guys work like 18 hours a day, every day, seven days a week, yeah. but breaking ass. So like, what was that like uh, next? You're like, okay, now what? Like, so what's, what came next? Yeah. Uh, so when I, in, in 95, you know, we, I, I won't tell the whole story, but we were in a real bad weather condition. We got hit broadside with a wave that threw me across the boat and uh, messed myself up pretty good. My, my face hit the railing. Knocked out my front oh, teeth no. and put a big, big gouge in my chin and all that stuff. But at least I was still on the boat because the the alternative, if I would have been thrown over, that would have been it. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, uh, they're not so getting I, out of that. I I decided that like okay, I'm going to finish out my contract, uh, and then I'm going to be done. And I let the I let the captain know that. And uh, and so when I when I finished that, I was like, okay. I'm going to come home. And I was married at the time to my first wife, who we got married okay. during my years 
of fishing in Alaska. And, you know, that working that job, it provided a, a very nice income for us. And, and she was working for Boeing. So she was an engineer at Boeing. And so she made a great income, too. Uh, right. But when I, you know, the goal for me was always to use that job to save up money to start my own business. And so when I announced to my wife that on that last trip, when I came home, that I was like, OK, I'm, I'm done I'm going to start my own business and stuff. Uh, she thought that I had just been like, that I wasn't serious all that time, that that I wouldn't really do it. And even she was like, Kevin, she goes, man, she goes, you don't know the first thing about starting a business. You're a blue collar worker. You, you, We got it good with you doing what mm. you're doing. You just need to keep doing that. And I'm like, honey, I, was like, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I want to start my own business. And long story short, uh, she ended up filing for divorce and leaving me because she just did not want me to do that and didn't want to be a part of that. <laughs> and wow. uh, so it was it was kind of a, a rocky start. Uh, but I I met a guy in Seattle who ran a cleaning a carpet cleaning and restoration company. And I had met okay. him through a friend. I got to kind of go you know hang out at his place a little bit, see what they did, and I'm like you know. I was like, if, if he can do this, I can do this. And and right. really, I just, I'd like to say that I had some grandiose vision about I want to impact the world. No, it wasn't none of that, Brad. I just wanted to start a business and make money. <laughs> you know, and right. do my thing. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, man. Nothing <laughs> yeah, wrong with that. I think I think that's overestimated sometimes. Like, you know, people who start out with those big grandiose goals before they even get out of the gate, I think they're uh so my grandpa used to say they're putting the cart before the horse. You know, it's yeah. you gotta yeah. make a difference by solving problems and getting paid for it. Yeah. So, and so I ended up investing a, a couple hundred thousand just to open the doors on that business. I had to buy a you know a big van and a cleaning machine and equipment and supplies and all of that kind of stuff. And I didn't I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, I was excited. I I thought, well, you've saved up money. You're 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 good to go on that piece of it. And uh, a little, I mean, Brad, I didn't know what I didn't know. And that first right. year was a real challenge. Uh, I, I looked in like, you know, advertising to see what other cleaning companies were doing. I saw some of them advertising, you know, hey, we'll clean two rooms in a hall for $69.95. And I thought, well, you know what I'll do? I'll do it for $59.95 and then I'll get all the work. And uh uh, that, that, did, that did not work. <laughs> I mean, I got, work. <laughs> I got work. In fact, I'll tell you, I remember one time, uh, I, I got called out to th this guy who was a Harley guy. Uh, he called me out to his apartment because he had just rebuilt his Harley in the middle of his living room floor and had called me out because he needed it cleaned up. And I took a look at him like, holy cow. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm not going to be able to do much for you. He's like, I was like, this pretty much needs to be replaced. And I was right. like, what made, you, what made you call me for a cleaning? He's like, well, I thought if you were crazy enough to come out here and clean this up for 60 bucks, I'd let you have a shot. <laughs> you know? And I, and that's why I started wow. doing it. Like, you got to figure this out because you're doing this all wrong. <laughs> right. And, yeah, it sounds like it. And I was, I was, so what was it? 12, 14 hour days, six and seven days a week and, and losing money every time I stepped foot out the door, but not even realizing what the heck I was doing or really even what the, what to do about it. 
So what was like, so what was the impetus? Like what changed? Because obviously that, that hits on a big lesson that I see a lot in business where, where people try to be the low cost provider. And, and I, I've learned, uh, well, I just don't have the patience. I've learned to, to be the, the El Cheapo guy. Uh, you know, when people, people who want to do business, like based on price as the number one variable, I just, I mean, some people can compete that way. And I'm not saying there's not business models. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of billion dollar companies that can do that. I just am not wired that way. So what was the, what was the change? Like, what did you realize to turn that business around? Cause like a lot of people, they don't realize because they don't pay themselves a salary. And I noticed this with a lot of self-employed people because they, the owner of the business doesn't pay the employee of the business, which happens to be you if you're the one doing the work. If you can't afford to pay yourself a salary and run the business, you don't actually have a business. You're losing money, even if it doesn't seem like it, because if you can't pay an employee, you're, you're something's wrong with your business model, yeah, right? Like totally. you might start out just being a solo guy, but you know, I don't think anyone really starts out saying they're, they want to own a business and say, I want to uh, buy myself a job that I can't stop or else my business stops. You know what I mean? Exactly. So what was that big transition to kind of learn how to like actually make money and not work yourself to death? Yeah. Uh, well, I was looking through a trade publication for the industry and, and there was this article in there by this guy, Joe Polish talking about marketing. And, mm. uh, and after reading that article, I was like, okay, I am doing something wrong here. This guy knows a whole lot more than I do. He was offering this free report. I ordered his free report. You call into a phone number and just leave your info, and he, they would mail their report to you. I got that report. I read through it, and I'm like, man, I, I, I need some help with this. And so I invested in his training uh, and, and then ended up joining a coaching program that he had because that's what he did was he helped people in the cleaning and restoration industries better market and and grow their businesses and and when i got to have a conversation with him because back then uh you know he ended up growing that business very big and then he's not even in that business anymore but when i signed up with him you i, I actually got to have a consultation with him and stuff and i told him what was going on i told him the story about this biker guy as well as other house, houses i was in and and he's like well kevin who do you want to be serving and I was like, well, I want to be serving people with big, nice homes. And, and he's like, well, he's like, you, he's like, your marketing message is not appealing to those people. He's like, they, they don't care about the cheap price guy. They want, you know, they, they care about things like being able to maintain their carpeting investment. They care about being able to trust people to come into their homes and all of that. He's like, your, your marketing message needs to switch up. And so long story short, over the next three years, uh, we completely transformed that business with Joe's help into a buy referral only company. And I was in the top 3% of, of cleaning operations in the country as a result wow. of what he helped me with. So that that's incredible because, I mean, that that really hits on, on a point that I'm a big believer in, which is, you know, ser serve the people who appreciate you. Uh, and and go where go where you're appreciated, and that that's definitely something I've made the mistake uh, being a real you know nice guy or whatever you want to call it. You know, one of my weaknesses has been that you know you put up with a lot of crap you shouldn't necessarily put up with. You know, boundaries and all that jazz. And uh, you know, I didn't when I was younger, I didn't set boundaries like that. So I would take on a lot of business that, looking back, 
you know, I was like, well, let me just get established. I'll take, I'll take what I can get and, you know, work the hell out of it. And then it'll all work out. It just doesn't like that a lot of times. So I'm glad that you share that because that's, that's a lesson I think every industry has where you have these people that are basically working as borderline slave hours and slave wages because they're going after, you know, El Cheapo Chuck instead of, uh, you know, Rich Richard, you know, um, and, and it, it's, it's something I think, and it's not just about charging, like, cause I think a lot of people and you and me have talked about this previously, where a lot of people think all of, it's all about just raising your prices and charging a lot, you know, and putting lipstick on a pig. And, and we know that that's not, that's definitely not what we're saying here. We're saying like, Hey, like we need to make the message match, but also deliver the goods for these folks, you know, cause obviously someone who spends a lot of money on carpet, they want to. I mean, some of those carpets can get real expensive or wood, wood floors. Like, you know, I know, I know, uh, I've seen people spend tens of thousands of dollars, like r- putting nice wood floors in, you oh, know, yeah. and, or, or yeah. carpets and rugs and all that sort of thing. So it's definitely a, a specialty market. So building that business up, like what, what was the big, you know, takeaway for you kind of like, obviously you don't do that anymore. So when you built that business up, did you sell it? Did, did what, what was the story? How did that end up? Yeah, I did ultimately sell. What ended up happening? So uh, from from uh, then until '99, you know, Joe really helped me with that business. And then in '99, uh, through Joe, I had met this guy Dan Kennedy, and ended up going mm. to a Dan Kennedy seminar in 1999. And it turns out Joe was there too. And at right. that seminar, I also met these two guys, Perry Marshall and Yannick Silver, who were doing some really cool stuff on the internet. And I thought, wow, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I could somehow use the internet to kind of expand my business so that I'm not just a local business, but I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I could have a nationwide and even a worldwide impact and, and footprint? And so right. we ended up starting this website, probably one of the ugliest websites on the internet called Get Mold Solutions. And part of the thing that we did in our business was help people who had water damage situations, you know, what they needed to do to take care of it, how to find a contractor, all of that kind of stuff. I started doing that online. And I and I, I remember hearing this interview uh, that Joe Polish had done and talking about Bob Vila and how Bob Vila, you know, just claimed the title of the nation's home improvement expert. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to claim the title of the nation's mold solutions expert. And uh, that definitely ruffled feathers of a few people in the industry. But thanks to technology and that website, uh, after a couple of years, I had spoke with more people on the subject of mold and water damage in homes and all of that kind of stuff than anyone else in the industry. And, wow. and that website, we ended up offering some products. You know, we offered mold cleaning product, mold testing product. We offered informational stuff. Even uh, people start asking me medical information questions. And I'm like, man, what may anybody think that I'm a medical professional? But I found one. I found this guy, Dr. Andrew Campbell in Spring, Texas, who was that. That was his thing. That's what he did. And so him and I partnered up to to kind of, you know, team up and, and help people with that aspect of things. And we grew that business, that little website uh, by 2003 was producing an, ex- an additional 13,000 or so a month in revenue for the company. And, uh, right. and so Joe early that year, he was like, he put on this big annual event for the industry every year. He's like, Kevin, why don't you come down here 
and show everybody what you're doing with your website. And I'm like, all right. I was like, that's cool. And, and he's like, and when you do, he's like, between now and then, so we were talking in early spring of that year and his event was in October. He's like, before you do come down here, be sure to document what you do and how you do it and put it into a training system because there's going to be a certain percentage of the folks that are going to want your ongoing help and just be prepared to offer that to them. And so I right. did that. And I didn't realize it at the time, Brad, but that was my very first strategic partnership with Joe. And it was just completely organic. Uh, I had never spoken in public uh, prior to that, really. I mean, little little, little things here and there, uh, but nothing to the extent of like where there was like 300 people in an audience. And, and yet right. when I spoke at that event, uh, we ended up selling $35,000 worth of that training that I had just created and, and also had people on a recurring monthly ongoing support program as well. And I was just wow. like, wow, that was really cool. And so uh, the following year, I ended up moving into that full time. And so we, we ended up selling the cleaning and restoration business. We sold that business on April 19th of 04 moved into the training business full-time and grew that over the next 13 years. And uh, we ended up selling over $16 million worth of that training over a 13-year period and stuff. And uh, Dang. Wow. That, that's, that's actually incredible because, I mean, it just shows you, I mean, like, it just goes to show you that, like, you know, every every person with an expertise, if they know how to package up something that can help people, can really build something that, you know, not only pays your bills and gives you a nice lifestyle and all that stuff that you see, you know, every Tom, Dick, Harry, and Joe advertising online, but like you can, I mean, you, that's some weight. I mean, like you move some weight, <laughs> uh, when it comes to, I mean, that's, that's impressive. And I don't care who you are. I mean, to sell that much over the internet and like, keep in mind, I, I, you know, that's like pre Facebook and all that stuff, Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, when when advertising was a lot more expensive and harder to get and less targeted and all that kind of stuff. I mean, to do that even now with all the options that are out there is is extremely difficult, let alone doing it early on in the internet days when everything was a little bit more wild west and you know, everything technology wise took ten times as long as it does today. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just that's just mind blowing to me, man. Like, um, Wow. I mean, I knew it was big. I didn't realize it had gotten that big. So, so you, you, you stopped doing that at some point, I assume, like, did you, did you end up selling that business as well? The information side or just kind of retire it? Nope. So, you know, when, when I created that training, uh, you know, I, I created it just based on what I was doing. And like, as you mentioned, a whole lot of things came into play after that, you know, Facebook and all, all these other platforms came into play. And I, like I couldn't keep up with all of that, <laughs> and the, right. we had all these other companies teaching how to use all these other platforms. And I just what ended up happening is I didn't move fast enough. I mean, looking back, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Uh, of course, I, I didn't move fast enough, and I could not keep up with all the changes taking place. And and really, Brad, um. I had opportunity to do that, but I think I kind of got complacent. And in fact, you know, one of my goals for a long time had been to grow that business to a million dollars a year. And, and we did that. And in fact, the first year we broke a million in sales was 2008. Uh, at the peak 
the best year we ever had in that business, we did 1.6 million in a year. And, and I just kind of got complacent. I was kind of like, you know, I mean, I was, I could do these other things, but you know what? I don't really want to. Life is good. And we all know that if, if we're not growing and if we're not, you know, learning new things and doing new things, we're, 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 we're not only that, not just staying stagnant and, and steady in a place, we're actually losing ground. And that's what ended up happening to me. And, and I wow. take full ownership and responsibility for that. Uh, but the, the good thing was, is along the way, over those 13 years, the, the primary way that I grew that business was through strategic partnerships. And I ended up developing this process around attracting strategic partners to me and getting people to tell other people about what I was doing and just creating some amazing relationships. We did almost 600 strategic partnerships over that 13-year period. And in oh the process, gosh. I built some amazing relationships and uh, created a lot of relationship capital with some pretty amazing entrepreneurs. And that ended up just kind of, without me even realizing what was going on, setting me up for what I do now. And it, and it took some time to figure it out. It took uh, uh, me getting over a whole lot of BS that I had rolling through my own head and stuff. But that right. whole 13-year period totally set me up unknowingly to me at the time for what I'm doing now. So let's let's talk about that a little bit because I think that's a really good segue because I always like to hear people's, you know, uh, the stuff they learn along the way. So like let's talk about some of that BS mind stuff because I know like it's just some of the private conversations you and me have had. You and me have dealt with similar obstacles, if you will, based because personality-wise we're very similar in a lot of ways, I think. So what was that like, you know, Let's talk about that because, you know, one of the things I think nobody talks about enough is we are, I, I liken it to, you know, something Travis, uh, our good friend Travis Sago said to me a long time ago. He said, you know, it's hard to steer a parked car. So once you get the car moving, uh, you know, I think that the struggle that people have until they don't and everybody realizes it's a different way is that you're putting the foot on your own, you're, you're, you're riding the brake, kind of like when a kid's learning how to drive, you know, they, they, they gas it and then brake, gas it and brake. And it's real jerky, you know, cause they haven't figured out how to feel out the vehicle or whatever. But I think that's something that we all have to a degree is, is we have those blocks and it's like, we we're riding the brake. We're all a Ferrari in a way, or we could be a Ferrari, but if you don't take the foot off the brake, you're just going to rev the engine and make a lot of noise and not get anywhere. So, so like, let's talk about that a little bit. So for you, from your point of view, obviously, like we all accidentally get complacent from time to time. And, you know, I always tell myself, if you're not growing, you're dying. Uh, you know, it's one or the other. No, there's no, there is no such thing as standing still, especially these days. Um, but like, let's, let's talk about that. So what for you, what were those things that you feel like, you know, you had to like get over maybe mindset wise or strategy wise? What were those for you? So the first, I, I, you know, in, in, in running that business all, year, all those years and doing those partnerships, uh, I always came up from a place of, you know, I'm just going to figure out how it how and if it would be possible for me to help somebody else. And and it, that's that was where I always defaulted to. And so I ended up making a lot of connections for other entrepreneurs based on stuff that they shared with me during 
conversations that we had along the way. So, for example, I remember one time, uh, this would have been, oh gosh, probably eight or nine years ago, I was having a conversation with Brian Kurtz. And, and at the time, he worked with Marty Edelston at, at Boardroom Reports. And, and Boardroom was this massive direct mail company. And they were trying to figure okay. out the Google AdWords platform. And he was telling me, he said, yeah, we got our team working on it, but you know what? This just isn't our thing. We don't know what we're doing with it. And 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 I was like, well, do you know who Perry Marshall is? And he's like, well, I know of him. I was like, well, you need to talk to Perry and his team. I was like, that's their thing. That's what they do. They can totally help you guys with that. And and he's like, well, you know Perry? And I'm like, yeah, I know Perry. And, and I was like, let me shoot an email and I'll get you guys connected. And so I did that. I just sent an email to the two of them. They did connect. Perry's team did help boardroom reports with their Google stuff. But Brian and Perry became just such good friends. Less than a year later, they held this event together. I believe it was called the, the Titans of Direct Response. Uh, they had hundreds of people, you know, all entrepreneurs show up for this event and stuff. And they, honestly, those guys have gone on to do so many things together since then. But even in that first year, I'm like looking at this going, wow. And in fact, the, when the, the, the couple of days when they had hosted that very first event together, I was getting messages from people, Facebook messages and, and text messages and emails from people who were in the audience. And I remember one in particular was from this friend of mine, Paul Bingham, who was at that event. And he's like, Kevin, I just want to let you know, Perry and Brian are talking about you from stage in a really good light, talking about how you were the one who connected them. And, and then his next comment was, one never knows where a well-planted seed will sprout. And, and I'm mm. like, man. And I, and I, and I started, I was like, you know what? I said, I want to have a business that that's what I do. I want to do more of that. Right. And I'm like, wouldn't right. that be awesome? And then, of course, right behind that is like, yeah, but you know what? Nobody's ever done that before. I don't, you don't know anybody who has a business built around them doing that. I mean, and then I was like, but you know what? Man, who am I anyways? I mean, there's all kinds of people who are way better connectors than I am. I mean, Joe Polish, Brian, I mean, all these other people come to my soul. All this BS running through my head that like, it, yeah. I couldn't see what I couldn't see. And, and right. I was not being very kind to myself either. <laughs> so, yeah. And, Boy, uh, I know that one. I, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm hearing my own inner thoughts as you say this. I'm like, God, I have had that conversation way too many times to, uh, I'm embarrassed to admit how many times I've had that conversation. Exact yeah. same one, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good grief. Good and grief. So, yeah, it rolled it rolled around in my mind for a long time. I didn't I didn't know what to do it. I mean, I had conversations with lots of people about it. I mean, you know, even Brian and Perry and lots of other people in my life and and trying to figure out, okay, what could this look like? And it just it, it just wasn't clicking for me. And it, it didn't click right until 2017, April of 2017. I was talking with a friend of mine. And, and during the course of that conversation, he was like, Kevin, he's like, why have you, he's like, you know, so many amazing entrepreneurs. Why have you never held an in-person get together for these entrepreneurs just to bring them together and let them all meet each other? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I've just never thought about that. 
And he's like, well, right. you should give that some thought because if you did that, I would want to come to it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and wow. when, when I hung up the phone that afternoon with talking with Tim, I told my wife, I was like, that, man, I mean, I, I was so jazzed because I, I just saw this as throwing a party for a bunch of people who I really liked, you know? And uh, I was so jazzed that night. In fact, I couldn't even sleep because I'm thinking like, well, if you did this, who would you want to invite? And I'm like running through people that I knew. And and uh, and the next morning I got up at like 4 a.m. I came into my home office, sit down on my computer. I start going through all my email contacts, through my Facebook contacts. And I just start making this list of like, who would you want to invite? And uh, and and right. you mentioned Travis Saga. Well, Travis was the very first guy I ever even talked to about this. The next morning, uh, Travis and I had a conversation. We'd already had it scheduled, and I just kind of ran it by him. I'm like, hey, I was talking with Tim yesterday, and he starts talking. You know, you should do this event. And and Travis is like, well, are you open to some feedback? And I'm like, heck yeah. And he's like, Kevin, he's like, you know, he's like, I'm an hour away from my airport on my end. You're an hour away from your airport there in Seattle. He's like, it would be an all-day ordeal for me to get to your place, another all-day to get home from your place, plus whatever time. He's like, and I don't even really like traveling, Kev. <laughs> but he's like, if you put something like this on, I would totally come to it. And, uh, mm. and I'm like, wow. And so long story short, over the next couple of days, I, I spoke with six guys uh and uh and like all six of them said kev if you do this i would want to come to it and uh so we did that we did that first event in august of 2017 we did another one in september of that year uh i can tell you i mean i'll, I'll let you steer it and hear what you want to hear about but uh that i i still wasn't totally clear on where i was going with this whole thing but i'll tell you what it was exciting the idea of just doing this and, and, and quite honestly, Brad, that first event in August of 17, we held it right here at my home. And I will, I'm not going to lie, uh, I, I had a little bit of what's the right, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, uh, 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 well, I was just sitting in my living room going, holy shit, look who's sitting in my damn house. <laughs> 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 Boy, I tell you, that's uh that would uh that would definitely be uh how I would uh how I would feel uh right there, you know. You got six people who pay money and travel and all that jazz and uh well, come out well, to a, well, we, a master. We had a total of fifteen people at that first event and a month later we had another fifteen people come in. So we had fifteen oh, wow. each of those first two events. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and they were both at your house. Both were, were at your house both, still. Both two events were right here at my home. Yes, yes. Man, oh yeah. my goodness, what a uh, what an interesting uh, experience. Like, I mean, because that's you know, and it's funny because it's like sometimes the obvious answer is the obvious answer, right? You have you put all these people together and they create that value because I mean that's one thing that people always want is is experiences with like minded people, and it's it's a business that I mean like. I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I should do that. Like, that would be uh, that would be so dang fun to have that many cool people in one spot, uh, you know? Because I, I that's especially after the last year, man. Like, that's one thing I realized. Like, everything I like has to do with people. The closer it is to people, the more happy I am. Whereas, like, if it's behind a computer, like, I enjoy some of that stuff just because it's fun to challenge yourself to learn new things, you know, 
with different softwares and technology, but I really like the, uh, the thing like this podcast is one of the most fun things I've ever done in my whole, you know, whatever, 13 years it is now online. This is like one of the most fun things because it's, it's always talking and, you know, I'm, I'm super curious. So like, it's, it's kind of fun to, to have those conversations. I can see that being real good. So kind of going forward, like you have a couple of events, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody was like ranting and raving about how good they were. Cause of course, so what, what did you do next to kind of parlay that business? Cause now you do like, it's kind of moved online a little bit, you know, with the last year, is that fair to say, like, what type of people do you work with today with the stuff that, you know, connecting people together? Yeah. So yeah, same, same kind of entrepreneur uh, today. And, and yeah, we do a lot of stuff online, uh, you know, now, now that uh, we're kind of, well, we, we did our first, we, we quit doing live events for a while, but we did one in December, we did one in April, and now we're getting ready to do one in a couple more months in August. Uh, so we still right. do the live events, but we uh, online is a big component of it. Uh, but it's all uh, same kind and caliber of entrepreneur that I invited to those initial two events back in 2017. It's, it's all entrepreneurs who... Uh, they either, you know, own, consult for, or manage companies doing a million dollars or more. Uh, a lot of, most of them are like way over a million dollars. Uh, but it's, it, and the reason we have that is because just because of the caliber of conversations that take place. Uh, right. and, uh, on, on the other side of the coin, <clears throat> they need to be people who are all about contribution first, you know, that they, that they right. show up ready to help, serve, support other people. Because when you get everybody showing up that way, well, everybody gets to be on both the giving and the receiving side versus, I mean, so many masterminds I've been a part of, and I won't, you know, every mastermind I've ever been in, I've always got value from. But, right. you know, you, you get a lot of people showing up that it's all about, and, and granted, I get it. That's why they join. They, they, they join because, they want to get something out of. It. They want to grow their business. They want to make the right connections and all of that. But there's there's a big difference between showing up to get and showing up to give, knowing that when you just do that, you get to receive as well. <laughs> and, right. Well, it's it's a, it happens by default. Like for me, it's always a 10x whenever I come at it from that approach. You know, like I'll give something which to me is small. I always liken it to a value exchange. Like what's easy for me might not be easy for somebody else. But even if it was easy for them, if I can shortcut their learning curve and save them five years of figuring something out, like kind of like with you going back to the the cleaning business, you know, you could have figured out probably a lot of that stuff that Joe taught you, but like he cut years off your growth curve. Oh, yeah. Uh, to, to, to get ahead of the game. Right. And so, you know, one connection like that can at the right time to you, it might be like, Oh, it's a little five minute thing. Here's a tool that'll save you, you know, five hours a week of hassles. Right. Well, that's five hours to the other person to you. It's like five minutes just to speak up and share the the tool. Right. Yep. So I always think it's funny how people, what's easy for one person is not easy for another. And as soon as you get that about life, I, I, I wish that for everybody that they would learn that because it would make their life a lot easier. Like the go-giver talks about that, like giving without expectation, because what ends up happening is that the right person that has what you need at the right time, sure enough, if you just give without expectation to other people, that person who has the thing that you want will show up and it'll be so, it'll look so random 
And I don't care what anyone says. I'm convinced of this. I'll die on this hill, if you will, that by doing that, the right person shows up because there's something in the world that wants to reward people who give first and then are open to receiving later on. You know, uh, I really do believe that with my whole heart, that that's the way the world works. And as you know, the universe, God, whatever someone believes, it doesn't make any difference to me, but that's the way my life has always shown up. And everybody I know who's successful, that's the way their life is. It's the one thing they, one of the few things they have in common is they tend to be givers first uh, without expectation, you know? That's right. That's right. And I, you know, doing what we do now with Tribe for Ears, I, I have seen it over and over and over again, you know, that, that you know, if, if anything, I mean, and, and I'm going to put my, include myself on this, uh, you know, a lot of us, we're, we, we are great givers, but we have a lot of work to do when it comes to graciously receiving and letting other people do for us, you know, and, uh, and that is true of the high, I mean, I don't care if somebody's running a company doing 5 million a year or 5 million a month. Uh, I have seen it with them too, that, uh, right. you know, they, if anything, they need to learn how to flex their receiving muscle more. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have that trouble. I mean, I, I guarantee you that I have that. that yeah, that's one of my biggest foot on the brake, you know, because I never want to be, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times I think it's 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 not even realizing that someone would help you because I mean, like at different points in my life, like when I was younger and I didn't have I didn't have very much money, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you know, starting out like a young guy, I, I look back at some of those relationships I made then and they still are bearing fruit today because like I didn't let those stupid things get in the way. But one thing I, I know held me back a lot. I wish I had taken, you know, some advice that Warren Buffett said to one of those college graduates. I saw a YouTube video about this. He, he was speaking to a graduating class and he said, take jobs that uh, would get you skills or put you in the places that you want to be. Like, don't try to figure out everything by yourself. Like, don't do it for the money, do it for the connections and the skills and the experience that, that you can have. And that was one thing that I never opened myself up to like different consulting opportunities and things of that nature that I could have done that would have cut a lot of years off if I'd been more open-minded and willing to, you know, take little short gigs here and there, like, in, especially in my early twenties when I had a lot of gumption and not as much experience, you know, uh -huh. um, but it was, I wasn't open to receiving as much, uh, back then. I didn't realize it either. That was the scary part is I thought I did, but like, I really didn't, I was so focused on giving and it wasn't until I listened to the go-giver the first time where he talks about, you know, if you're breathing, you got to inhale so that you can exhale because like giving to others is like exhaling. Eventually your lungs are empty. You've got to like be willing to breathe in to refill your lungs. And that was the metaphor he used to kind of explain why it's important to, what is it? The law of uh, law of receiving or something like that. I think it's yeah, number four absolutely. in the book, but, uh, it was hard for, that was a tough one for me to learn. Uh, I, th I think it's probably still my number one holdup, uh, to be truthful. Um, open to receiving from other people and everything. Cause like, even with this podcast, like I'm kind of amazed at some of the people who've said yes. I mean, like yourself, I mean, you, you said yes. And almost immediately I'm like, Holy cow. Like this is like the most successful thing I've ever done. Getting more, more yeses than no. I don't think I've actually had a single no of anyone <laughs> I've wanted to be on the show. Like they've all said, yeah, or yeah, can I do it next month? You know, that's the closest thing to a no. It's like, I can't do it right now, but can we do it at the end of the summer? Or, sure. You know, in a month or two, I'm like, yeah, no problem. Trust me, that's no worries at all. So, so kind of coming coming down to the end, like you know, and I, I do want to kind of share, let you give a chance to kind of share a little bit about with uh, Tribe for Leaders and stuff. But like, 
what um looking back like what piece of wisdom do you wish someone had told you kind of early on like you know like, i mean you got kids they're growing up let's say they want to be an entrepreneur like you what would you tell them to avoid some of the mistakes that you made in your journey well i'll tell you i i really beat myself up for uh quite a while you know especially around doing the work that i'm now doing which i am just you know i i absolutely love doing what i do now and and the way that i get to you know interact with the people around me that the people people that i have so much admiration and respect for and and for a long time i put a lot of these people on a pedestal because mm. i thought well they run a business way bigger than anything that I've ever done. They have so much more experience. They are already really well connected. I, man, what value would I be able to offer them? And, and I really, I owe so much to Jules, uh, Jules Duncan, for really helping me to see the things that I couldn't see in my own life and, and you know, gifts that I had that I, I was not, making use of and was not capitalizing on because I was reading too much stuff into it. And and when it came okay. to it, she's just like, Kevin, she goes, you just got to be you, man. <laughs> she goes, you don't have to do all this other stuff. Just show up and be you. She goes, you have a gift for creating relationships, for creating trust with people. And she goes, you're mm -hmm. just going to attract the right people to you. And, and, and like, you know, and, and she was right. She was absolutely right. In fact, I mean, she has been so instrumental that she's become partners with me on this. And, and that's the, you know, right. I mean, we all do that, Brett. I mean, you've shared this, how you, how you've done it. I've shared it. Every one of us can relate to this, that we just, we, we put too much thought and, and, and just like thinking like, oh, you know, we can't do this because of why we can't do it and all that. And just when we when we just kind of realize who we are and just show up that way. And, and for me, it's just showing up with the intention to serve, to contribute, to help. And and when people ask me about what we're doing, I mean, I don't I don't start talking about it on my own accord. Like people just have conversations and they just end up asking and then right people are like, man. That sounds really interesting. Can you tell me more about that? And like, I don't have to do mm. a sales pitch for it or anything. I don't have to do sales calls. I don't have to put a funnel in place. I don't got to do nothing. I just talk with people. <laughs> That's it. I love it. I love it, man. That's, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a, like a dream. Uh, like for me, like I love that kind of stuff, you know, talking to people, solving problems and, you know. I'm kind of at that stage like this last year, like like my biggest blessing from the pandemic, uh, you know, and, and I, obviously you can choose to look at things whichever way you want. But like to me, I always try to like see the bright side and things. And one thing that I, I got from it is like people are everything to me. Like 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 I, I remembered a story that I used to tell back in the day, like in college and I went, I went to school for finance and. I never used it because I graduated in 2008 and we all know how finance worked in 2008 with the collapse of real estate and everything. I never used that degree. I mean, it was, it was insane. Like my timing was the world's worst timing. Um, but anyways, I remember like one of my senior classes, like the, the professor asked like, you know, what is it, what does being wealthy mean to you? And I pulled up my junky ass, like Nokia brick phone. Uh, I didn't even have like a nice phone back then because it was just a college kid. And I said, I want to be able to call anybody in the world 
within one degree of separation and be able to reach any other person uh, just by through one connection on this phone, including the president of the United States, just like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't, I don't care. But to me, that is what being wealthy means. And everybody, I remember to this day, everybody laughed at me. That I mean, a whole senior seminar. I mean, they weren't trying to be assholes or anything about it, but sure. like they were all like, "Oh, go to Wall Street and make a ton of money," and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's all cool, you know." But like, think about it. Like, relationships are a true commodity that you know take a while to build. You know, you don't just get relationships; you have to invest in them and build them. Whereas money is like a really shallow, in my opinion anyway, it's a shallow goal because money's everywhere. You just got to have the right thing and then know the right people. But again, it always, it comes back to people, right? Yeah. And I remember that being like, you know, like that, that, that was my goal. And like last year, especially, I really like reconnected with that side of myself quite a bit because I was like, man, like I, 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 I'm bored to death. I mean, honestly, like without people, I'm, I get bored really fast. Uh, within like maybe an hour or two, I can't really sit at the computer for very long without being bored if I'm not interacting with somebody. And, and even even Zoom calls, I have a limit because it's still not the same as like in person or on the phone or actually having a real good conversation like we're having here. So um, I, I appreciate that, man. So I guess, I guess my question to you that I'd like to ask you is, uh, you know, what nut are you trying to cr- uh, crack and uh, you know, who can I connect you with that would help you out, uh, you know, solve a challenge that you're going through right now or, or just, you know, someone that you want to meet that maybe I know, like, or one of our listeners, you know, for that matter, uh, what nut are you trying to crack? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I didn't even know what I didn't know. I actually went to this little event in Austin a couple of weeks ago, put on by Travis Sago, Jesse Elder, Ron Lynch, Nick Peterson, uh, Jordan Hall, and and uh, you know one one of the things that I I mean I have known Jesse for years and and I've known Nick right. and uh, and uh, them for a while too but you know one of the things I really appreciated about what they shared was you know just the way they have conversations with people and and so for me you know I am you know, I, I'm not always intentional about the conversations that I have with people other than, you know, I'm just going to like listen to them. And, and, if, and if there's a way that I can help them, then I'm going to do that. Uh, but to hear Jesse and Nick and, and, uh, and Ron just talk about how they connect and communicate, I said, like, you know what, I was like, I want to connect and communicate with people on an even deeper level than I have been. And, 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 and I, you know, cause I, I think about a gentleman that I had spoke with right before that event, who, while I was at that event, he messaged me and said, Kevin, man, I really appreciate our conversation that we had. And I see the value in tribe for leaders and I'm going to hold off on it for right now. And I was, my, my heart kind of sank a little bit because I'm like, you know what? He would be such a great addition to the community. I mean, you know, and like when when we add right fit people to the Tribe for Leaders community, the value of being a member increases exponentially for everyone. And and I really felt for him. And and like what really came up at that event, I was like, you know what? I was like, 
I, I just had a really casual conversation with this gentleman and we did talk about tribe for leaders and I kind of, you know, I just told him how it worked and all of that, but I didn't get into a deep dialogue and conversation like you guys do. And, and in this particular instance, I feel right now that I did this gentleman an injustice because he's, he's not joining the group right now. And I could give, really give right. a rip about the money piece of it. I'm just like, I did not communicate with him as effectively as I could. And so, for, so that's really, uh, well, in fact, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm talking with Jesse tomorrow. <laughs> so, so That's wonderful. So that is something that I want to get better at so that I can okay. more effect because I, you know, on, on the back end of this, on the, the serving piece, man, we've got that pretty dang dialed in. And, uh, right. but I, I don't want to be having to feel like you did somebody a disservice because you didn't communicate as effectively as you could. Uh, I, I don't want, I don't like that feeling because if, if I would feel better about that, then he comes back and says, ah, I'm not going to do it right now. Totally cool. But in this instance, right. like I said, I feel like I dropped the ball on him. And so that's something I'm working on for sure. No, I appreciate that. I got some ideas that I'll, I'll share with you off the air that come up to mind, um, you know, about that, that I think might might help you, you know, see it from a maybe see the obvious, you know, and like the simplest answer sometimes is the the right one. Uh, so I'll give you some perspective off that off the air, because I cool, think that cool. would be really uh yeah, um, because that because you, you definitely have a way you have a way about you that you know obviously people you know maybe this is their first experience speaking to you but you have a a, a warmth and a generosity that is uh, I, I'll be honest with you maybe I've only experienced someone like you two three four times in my life you know and I've talked to hundreds if not thousands of people at this point and there's very very few people who are not only. Uh, a good communicator and a genuinely nice person, but also who, um, who really, when, when they say they don't have an agenda of like, you know, trying to just be nice cause they want something like you're one of the people that I can genuinely say what you say is what you mean. Uh, and, and I, I really do appreciate that about you. And I've always enjoyed our conversations because I've always felt like you were, you were playing the longest game of anybody where it's like, Hey, I don't know where this relationship will go. It might be 10 years from now, but, you never know. So I'm just going to be good to everybody and leave everybody better than I found them. And I think that's probably the, the, the credo that you live by without even realizing it, that you'll leave everybody better than you found them. So well, that's uh, definitely really appreciate you coming cool. on. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, relationships that is, and not just business relationships, Brad, I mean, but relationships with, with our spouses, with our kids, with our extended family, Absolutely. uh, and certainly when it comes to business, relationships, quite honestly, that, that's the most valuable asset that we have outside of our skill sets and our unique ability. I mean, the relationships is the most valuable asset we got, hands down. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I, I dig it, man. So um, thanks for recording with me today, man. This has been a lot of fun. Um, is there any place that people can go to... Uh, get in touch maybe and, and, and schedule a call with you to talk about tribe for leaders. If they're interested yeah, I mean, in joining we tribe for leaders and if what we shared resonates and if they feel that, you know, that, that it might be a worthwhile conversation for them, I'm happy to talk with them, but yeah, they go to tribe for leaders and we got a, we got a, a way there for them to schedule a time to talk. If, 
if what if what we've been talking about and what they see on that page resonates with them, I'd be happy to have a conversation. Awesome. Is that is that tribeforleaders.com or it what's is. the domain yeah. for them to yeah. yeah. Okay. Tribeforleaders.com. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for recording. This has been a lot of fun and I'm glad we got to do this. All right. Well, thank you, Brad. You've been listening to the Office Free Entrepreneurs Podcast. For show notes, extras, and to get the Million Dollar Backpack book where we give you the blueprint to escape your office, visit escapeyouroffice.com. 